Well, we'll tell the listeners about our excellent start. We've been chatting away for about two or three minutes and we realised we weren't recording. So we are now recording. We're now live. And I think this... We're not live live. And this week, um, picking up on a gap of a few weeks, it's this idea of yours, Rob, to talk about breadcrumbs and foraging. Yep. Which I've, which I've read a little bit about and I've looked at your presentations. Um, but I'll be fascinated to know... What you uh, what you're actually doing in the classroom? Okay, well, so it's an area of interest to uh, to me. Um, yeah, I'll explain a little bit more. Do, actually, do we need to, to to explain where we are? Well, because it's slightly different from the windswept conditions that we were at last time. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Um, <coughs> As always, Rob, your creativity in terms of coming out of different spaces has, has been excellent. I'm sitting here really nervous, thinking that someone's going to kick us out of where we are, because I don't, I don't suppose we really should be here. No, we shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> so should we not tell anyone where we are, just in case um, just in case we get audited of some kind? Oh, no, go on, let's tell people. Oh, well, OK, fine, but it will have to come from you, and then I can de- deny, plausible deniability. Absolutely. So we're in the editing suite of the um, at the tech park, one of the sort of film and media editing suites, which is um, you can't hear anything apart from our voices, of course, uh, because we're in a sort of a soundproofed booth with lots of technical equipment around us. Is that a good description? I think that's a very good description. And um, we, we, of course, brought our own little recorder. So if anyone does audit us, we're not touching any of the very expensive stuff. We have got our very low tech. Uh, Zoom recorder, which we're both qualified and signed off to use. Yep. But um, the fantastic brand new Avid system in here is, is is out of our reach, and we honestly have not touched it. No. There are no fingerprints anywhere. Yeah. Despite temptation. Yes, exactly. Lots of lots of intriguing lights that you might want to just think. I wonder what that does if you press it, but um, we're not. No. So it's a different sound quality, isn't it? It's, it it's is. Quite. Um, I, I call, called it a little bit earlier dead, um, but that's not really necessarily a good word for it, but it's not very reverberant and there's not much background noise, although we've discovered a little hum from somewhere that you might pick up on if you're listening really closely. Yeah. Should we crack on? Yes. <clears throat> um, so this is a, a, quite an exciting subject for me, one that I've become increasingly uh, uh, convinced about. Um, so should I tell you a little bit about it? Yes, please do. Now, um, it all came about when I took over from a, co- a colleague of mine uh, an ethics module, um, <coughs> business ethics and corporate responsibility. Now, on the subject of ethics, it struck me as being the question that struck me is who am I to 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 teach ethics? in the sense of uh, getting people to learn about ethics and then uh, regurgitate in their <coughs> examinations uh, certain different sort of theories and ideas of ethics, wouldn't it be better as a final year module, the last module that they're doing, that they're going to do, for them to come up, develop, articulate and be confident about their own ethical stance? That's 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 the sort of pedagogical uh, aim that I was looking for, <coughs> and <coughs> um, it struck me um, 
that that's quite different from um, providing a very closely knit uh, set of argument or set of um, learning experiences that I would then present to the, the uh, to, to the students, and they would um, and they would you know head down they would consume all of this goodly material only to sort of repackage it in some form of artifact at the end so that's where the that's where the issue of um, breadcrumbs comes in for me that that metaphor of breadcrumbs is that you know the 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 the, the lecturer is <clears throat> providing a, a a a trail of carefully curated uh, uh, little t- nuggets of information whereby the consumers head down pecking away going from location A, which is defined, to location B, which is defined, and not getting that um, wider sensorial uh, understanding or exploration with their colleagues. And that was the sort of metaphor, analogy, that I wanted to move away from. Um, well, yeah. that makes um, that makes sense to me, and... The use of that idea of breadcrumbs moving from A to B and the packaging up of the uh, uh, all that knowledge, all that learning into a kind of artefact is something I kind of recognise and um, have sympathy with the approach in terms of what you're de- developing, but I do recognise in, in my own practice that is largely what's going on in the classroom. Um, so, yes, mm. familiar with breadcrumbs. Mm. Now... Breadcrumbs works to a degree. There are important modules. For example, you know, if I was going to a dentist uh, or having surgery or something like that, <clears throat> this type of module where one is exploring things um, wouldn't necessarily be the right approach for that. For that, uh, you know, for every every form of learning, but for ethics and some other some other subjects, I think it. You know, I think it, th- there's some merit in what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point, isn't it? I, the ethics, I can absolutely make sense and understand why a different approach, and, I, you know, I like the idea, you know, who am I to talk about hmm. ethics? Um, in some senses, there are lots of subjects in, in that organisational behaviour, organisational development area, leadership area, that uh, actually you could easily find yourself saying who am I to talk about this Mm. very very frequently so uh, I think that's useful and I think it's useful then to kind of use the extreme example of the dentist it would be great to know that a dentist in training had gone from A to B and therefore could do Mm. surgery X, Y, Z or uh, root canal or all the rest of it in a much more linear fashion than someone who was foraging around the experience of doing root canal surgery yeah. so i can i can absolutely uh, see that uh, did you, have you got any more thoughts about the the other sort of subjects in the business school that you think could lend themselves to a non breadcrumb approach um so for me uh, so you mentioned already mentioned about leadership <clears throat> there's also in terms of the mba that i that i uh, lead on and 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 the MA in master in in the MA in leadership and management. There's both of those. There's an important element element about understanding of self. 
you know, who are we to lead others if we can't lead and understand ourselves? So this this form of uh, this form of approach of, of of discovery is actually quite important there, particularly if you look around the literature of uh, around reflexivity. Mm. Uh, and what I would argue is that it's very difficult to be reflexive <coughs> uh, in for, from one one's own perspective without that being a social activity of involving others. And if you remember Joe Harry's window where where you know we can understand ourselves by ourselves, but there's another quadrant in that model where we can only we can only access and understand ourselves with with, with through others who can yeah. see for, who can see about us what we can't see ourselves. So that foraging element is important of in that relation as well. Mm, okay, interesting. I don't, in the leadership module I teach, I, I do follow a more breadcrumb approach. I think I'm quite content to talk about that and accept that. Uh, it, it's a point of kind of future consideration to see what I might be able to do to shift things. I think in some of the business modelling content we do, inadvertently, because I don't think we've thought about it in, in, in a non-breadcrumb sense, we probably do give much, uh, much greater latitude to the students than simply saying we're starting A and we're working towards B, but we've not really thought about it in, in those terms. So that's that's a useful point of, um, point of reflection to go. Actually, here are some things we're already doing, but we just hadn't considered it in those in those kind of terminologies and and, and words. Yeah. Um. The other thing I've, I've sort of the, the, the thing that the other thing that sort of I think is important is in this approach is you know, how, what is the world like today, um, and if we're talking about leadership and we're talking about ethics, uh, so what are the sort of imp- what are the issues around the world today? I, th- I think the issue of what what is truth uh, is 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 really important. I think discussions about what is truth, what is knowledge, what is what is um, what is it that I can trust, and how do I build that trust and understanding with others? I think that's a. I think this type of approach lends itself to that. Those mm. discussions about <coughs> how do we know something is is true. There's also, if I was to look at work I work at Paolo Freire in the his book The Pedagogy of the, the Oppressed and also some of the early work by Hannafin about social capital. Education is also is a social activity. It has a social benefit. And I sometimes think that we've in the last few years we forget that. That if if we're building a cadre of people or a community of people, actually the benefit of that is greater than the sum of the individual people's learning. Yeah. Um and you know I'm also drawn to you know action learning soft systems methodology Peter Checklin and people like that that working things out together if you've been given a problem working things out together you know is a really important um, technique and skill particularly as I graduate as, as, as they will soon graduate and be working and a big part of that is team team working in teams yeah. Uh, that foraging metaphor, I think, is quite quite useful. So I think that's about the world today that I think is important. So, you, the 
The starting point is considering this movement from a, a pedagogy in the classroom where we're going from A to B and we're doing that breadcrumb trail work. Yeah. And the, 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 the opposite end of the spectrum is this idea of foraging. Yeah. Um, so rather than following those breadcrumbs through the forest, yeah. we're now in the forest, uh, the world view, uh, the, the understanding of self, we've landed ourselves in the forest. Yeah. So th w this idea of foraging allows us to basically, um, or allows a student to basically have a full 360 degree of choices about where they go next. Sort of, but it's a, it, it needs to be, I see myself as a, as, a, as a bit of a guide. I mean, you wouldn't expect people to forage into the, in the forest for mushrooms <clears throat> without some support and some guidance. It would lead to all sorts mm. of problems. Um, so I see myself as a bit of a guide in that. Would it be worth talking about what it might actually look like from a pragmatic yeah, point of view? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's where I was trying to get to in a very circular sort of way. Um, so clearly business uh, ethics they're, they're, there are thousands of years of, of, of knowledge about ethics and the students need some um, form of gateway into that, into that knowledge so what I would tend to do on ours we've got ten, 10 weeks with them working with them in a workshop style for about two and a half hours what I tend to do um, either um, in the sessions themselves but actually increasingly uh, on um, supplemented with Panopto the, the mm. video support is to <clears throat> provide bite-size um, uh, no, uh, knowledge uh, insights for example um, John Stuart Mills <clears throat> and Jeremy Bentham's idea of utilitarianism you know, the great idea of utilitarianism of you know, the greatest good for the greatest number of people, exploring that from the different perspectives, what the negative aspects of that, how other people um, such as um, uh, so, uh, uh, so how other people then take, explore that as well. So that would form one knowledge insight. I'm really interested in people like uh, Hannah Arendt, <coughs> the idea of the process in terms of of, of behaviour and you know you can even look to the uh, Eichmann trials for her work there <coughs> all the way back to <coughs> obviously the Greeks, Kant so bits of sort of relevant pieces of insight from from uh, a couple of thousand years of, uh, of knowledge um, so that so there's some input there but <coughs> and that's and that works really well and all the rest of it but what I get the students to do is to reconcile those that theoretical those theoretical aspects with the real world, and the real world for me is getting them to think about their own ethical stance. So the module starts with, uh, and this 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 just shocks them uh, about twenty minutes free writing, where I give them a piece of paper and I say, well, what I want you to do is to write. 20 minutes, uh, stream of consciousness, which has to be explained, <coughs> your ethical stance. And I usually set up some questions that might help along that road. <laughs> uh, 
so it's a bit of a surprise for them not only not only being asked to do something like that but also to see paper um, but then we come back to that midway point midway through the module how have your views changing now and then I'm asking them in their final assign their assignments how have your views changed compared to so it's a reflexive tool mm. now you can look at people's um, people's uh, some work on uh, explication how you explicate your own tacit knowledge and so I'm drawing on that in terms of a technique the other element I'm really drawn to and, and, and fascinated about is to get them doing research and this is where there's been some fantastic work that they've done so I would get them into groups of four or five and, and get them to look at find a a company that they're interested in. So the way I usually um, uh, I situate this, I say it might be a company that has a fantastic record in ethics or corporate responsibility, one that's absolutely dreadful. But don't forget the majority of people or organisations right in the middle who are having to reconcile all of these different things. Yeah. So let's not forget mm-hmm. the, the 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 norm. And they'll they, they'll go off and come back and give a presentation on those particular topics or those particular companies. But that's not all. What I, what I want them to do is to develop their skills about bringing people in into the conversation is to say, okay, you're going to do a presentation, but also you're going to facilitate this. You're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to lead a conversation with the other participants, the other 15 or so participants, to enable them to learn. And that works really well. So uh, not only are they presenting, but they're also facilitating, they're, they're bringing forward uh, questions and tackling questions that other people have, 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 have addressed. Um, there was one group this year that did something that I've... So there's something called mica, which a mica is a, a mineral that's mined in uh, yeah, India. Yeah, yeah. Now, I had not heard of mica um, I had not. I did not realise that it was the one well, of the foundational elements of glittery makeup mm. or in car paint, but it's mined in um, <coughs> in in India under some really dreadful conditions. This is one. This is what one group presented on. Mm. So the challenge is then: you know, do companies then completely pull away and not and not have mica, and in doing so, reducing the. <coughs> uh, the livelihoods to nothing of some very very poor people mm. you know so that might be one track but another track might be that some companies are doing so okay what, what would ethical mica mining look like and then we can talk into some very grounded very grounded ways what does this actually mean from lots of different contexts mm. and there's some great conversations we had um, yeah that's, that's just a, a couple of ex- examples just to sort of in, interrupt your flow there for a second. How can you just tell me a bit more about the facilitating the conversation bit? Because I've, in terms of the classroom practice, I find that really interesting. That we've got the presentation, which is a client kind of classic, isn't it? A yeah. classic tool. A group turn up, three or four of them, make their slides, make their case. They all take a bit of a turn. But I think for me that extension towards facilitating a conversation i'd love to know a bit more about it and and yeah. how does how does that actually unfold in the class well over the course of 10 weeks there are four of these about four or five of these presentations and they learn from each other so they get better as they go along 
So they're um, done over a series of, they're yeah. not all done on the same day. Kind Absolutely of, not. Yeah, no, okay. People get you know really tired of that, that, that to happen. Also on Panopto, I do a 15-minute uh, briefing as to what's it like to facilitate a workshop. Fundamental to that is that I, I, I get them to think about what sort of question that you, you want the group to, to, to consider and to explore. Mm. So that's the overall question, and then there might be some sub-questions that come along with that. Um, <clears throat> and if you think about it, facilitating a workshop or, 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 or conversation is a really important skill that they that's important in terms of work. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. It goes back to your point earlier about that so, sort of social benefit, isn't it, and working in teams. Yeah. And these guys are just, as you say, just about to graduate. So mm. all of that stuff that can go into a toolkit, mm. very useful additional benefits. Mm. Did any go really badly? Those I'm really sorry to go on about it. I'm really intrigued by this facilitated conversation thing. Yeah, because I I often find trying to get a conversation going very hard. Less so with the uh, third years. Yeah. Less so with the apprenticeship students, but I, I find it again really interesting to know how that conversation actually. Develop, and I think that idea of doing it over a series of weeks is really important. Yeah. Plus, some guidance goes back to your idea of being a guide. Um, what, what, you know, who's who was brave? What happened in the first one? Did it go well? Did it not go well? I suppose it takes a bit of cajoling from my my point of view, and set and and, and it comes to at the beginning setting the scene. You know, what is it we we we're, we're wanting to do? Why and why this is important? Some have been flatter than others. Uh, one group um, uh, presented something on. Uh, it's called, I think it was called Canada Goose, and uh, this. And anyway, I, I chipped in and said, "Oh, Canada Goose, you mean the vodka?" And it wasn't vodka at all. This particular example was something to do with coats, uh, really? Canadian coats, and it was made with uh, fur, fur trimmed. The fur is coyote. And this particular group had a had a real interest in uh, animal welfare, animal rights, and just to show an extent of by which they sort of buy into the into this. Um, so the group came along with different forms of fur, and they handed it around. And say, okay, which one is the real fur, and which one is the fake fur? <laughs> um, so then we're all feeling different sort of furs and all the rest of it. I I, mean, I couldn't tell the difference really. Um, uh, I guess that gives an indication as they go along, you know, how they how they sort of buy into it. But it is true that some of them <coughs> uh, are more energetic than others. Mm. But that's fine, you know. That's uh, and you know that's that that, that that's fine. There is a you know, different textures to them, mm. and it's it's got to be a reflection of the the, the people involved as well. Because it, how did you form the groups? Was it a kind of random allocation thing or was it the friends all ganging together um so i got them to do it and i go through this idea of max mix so um so max mix is the maximum mix of people so i say that i don't want you sitting next to your friends or whatever but I, i'm going to get you to organize yourselves uh that um that you're going to be uh from form the maximum <coughs> mix of different opinions and views and then we have a bit of a discussion <coughs> what might those different views and opinions be mm. and then we have a bit of a workshop a bit of a, a conversation about that i say okay 
now we've decided about those parameters, stand up and, and get into have a conversation with all your peers and get into five or six groups of maximum difference. <laughs> now, clearly, I don't know if, you know, it <laughs> might be, you know... I. <laughs> Two really close friends agreed previously to come in with completely polar opposite views yeah. of things to make sure they're working together. Yeah, obviously, you don't know. I, I like that idea. I've not, I've not heard of it being done in that way before um, in, in a sort of a self self-scoring sort of way yeah. maximum diversity but I can see how that could present with an open-minded group who are honest with themselves some really interesting dynamics um, did, did you during the weeks get a sense that they had been truthful with themselves on that maximum or did you get a sense that actually there was a bit of playing the game going on oh possibly a little bit but at least we've had the conversation about why why maximum mix and diversity is important mm. at least we had that conversation mm. uh, and it you know did lead to some you know some good outcomes whether there's cause and effect there I, you know it's difficult to, to pinpoint but yeah. yeah we had that we had that conversation okay so in terms of the whole foraging process then we've got this uh, sort of ongoing during a semester, during a term, whatever word you want to use, um, series of research tasks yeah. that lead to these uh, pop-up presentations, in yeah. a sense, on a series basis. So we're not doing that traumatic experience of saying, right, week five, everyone's going to make a group presentation. Yeah. And that time that you've got, because you've got that rolling series going on, does allow those groups to present, facilitate a conversation, and that, um, I think, my, my sense is, or not in the room, but my sense is that in itself provides a momentum and a momentum for the forager to carry on foraging. Absolutely. Would that be... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you've got to, you know, to, to find out about the micro-industry, it's actually quite difficult to find out, you know, there's mm. not an awful... But, you know, they've got to go out there and do the foraging mm. um, and make connections. Uh, so <clears throat> that's sort of a couple of areas. Uh, the other thing that works really well is getting guests in, getting people in. So I had um, uh, a somebody who's set to, has done an awful lot of work in fair trade gold. And I must say, he comes, he's an honorary doctorate at the university. And he comes in, uh, Greg Valerio, he comes in and gives a barnstorming, you know, a really, really fantastic uh, presentation, uh, uh, an exploration of some really difficult ethical issues. And that really does fire the, 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 the people's interests up far more than I can, ever, I can ever do. So that works really well. And I also, at the other end of the spectrum this, this year, I, I got a group of Quakers. I came across a group of Quakers and... And they've got some interesting ideas about ethical business. Of course, uh, Quakers have been responsible over the last few hundred years for some fantastically important, ethical, sustainable businesses like Cadbury's or Lloyd's Bank or whatever. <clears throat> so four or five of them came in. And, it, and we started the, uh, started the session off in complete silence. So it's like living what it's actually like to be, you know, to, to live the Quaker way. So we had five minutes of complete silence. So if giving them a piece of paper right at the beginning wasn't, you know, shocking enough. <laughs> five minutes of silence. 
but they really enjoyed that not the silence so much but the the exploration of the ideas because they come out with some you know there are some grounded practical ideas about ethical business based upon a you know a theoretical or a theological framework which mm. is actually pretty sound mm. uh, and they were very interested in that and last year we had uh, uh, our local MP coming along and talking to them as well um, <clears throat> and I managed to uh, I managed to, to, to arrange somehow that was quite a, an achievement mm. well it was a combination of luck and, and, and uh, opportunity on my part. Mm. That is an interesting spectrum, isn't it? We, you know, I, I'm, I didn't go to the talk, but I'm aware of Greg from talking to you previously at one end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum, the arguably much more sober, shall we say, in approach. Um, yeah. Quakers. Uh, it, I, I'm I'm a little bit over, not overwhelmed in a sense, but I'm I'm kind of amazed at how much you're fitting in. Mm. <laughs> Is that am I am I being oversimplistic about what you've sort of talked through? Um, so so the sessions they don't see that they, they, they they're very active. Uh, there's a lot going on, but it doesn't. I, from my perspective and from the evaluations that I've had. Uh, from the, the students, they don't feel rushed. You know, they, that's not the feedback that I'm getting from the module evaluation. No, no, I wasn't thinking um, it was rushed. I, I just think, wow, what a lot of content. Yeah. Um, and what a lot of diverse content. Actually, there's, is, is it, sorry, is it about the, the video support and that the, the, the sort of layers of guidance? Yeah. Maybe gravitating around the session but there are layers of guidance around that and that allows you to put so much in the package as it were yeah you're you're, you're absolutely right i so there's quite a, i've put in quite a lot of video uh, stuff on panopto this year and also an awful lot of uh um, resources uh on on moodle uh far more than they actually need mm. now this is where it comes to the the assignment so the assignment is not I don't ask them to, you know, to explain and to explore and to root around all four of the presentations that they might have heard, or to have or to go into enormous depth about every experience. But what I'm asking them to do, of all of the resources that they've got, into, including the ones that they've sort of lived through on the session, to curate and to put together a portfolio of work that gives voice to their own ethical stance. So it might be that they're really drawn to utilitarianism. If so, they can then explain that, explore that with in relation to the practical experiences that they've had at work, which we talk about, the experiences <coughs> that they've been listening to in terms of the case studies that they've been looking at, uh, some of the conversations they've had with people like Greg or the Quakers, so they can reconcile, and in that reconciliation... To, to strengthen and to be aware of their own ethical voice, which comes back to the explication that we started off at the beginning by the sort of free writing that, you know, this is the anchor point in which they, they further develop. Mm. Some people choose to, choose to um, uh, make that connection very, very clear. Some people uh, a little bit less so. Okay. For those people who didn't make it very clear, was there a sense of? Did you ever get a sense of why they were not 
Um, so the invitation was was to to focus on bits that they found particularly uh, uh, important to their own ethical stance, and, and for some it, you know, it meant a focus on one thing but not another, and that mm. was absolutely absolutely fine. You know, and it does. This does require an element of number one, critical thinking, mm. and secondly, sort of self-reflection. Uh, and and some people get that quite easily. <laughs> some people find that really quite challenging. Yeah. And the the <coughs> the thing that as we moved through the the, the the module, I believe it or not, I created space for lots of conversations to be had between themselves and also with me mm. to, to to find that voice. Uh, and uh, and some clearly did that better than than others, but having that, both having the the space, but also the confidence to come up with their own view, because I don't think we do that enough actually, to get people to to explain and explore their own perspective. Mm, I think that's a really key point, isn't it? And I uh, I suppose that is something I've been thinking but not necessarily been articulated or not I've not necessarily been able to articulate it very mm. clearly um, what what is their view or what is their view based on based on something evidence experience observation whatever research but I I, I, I tend to agree with that sense of stop telling me what's mm. been told to you but actually Tell me what's been told to you in the context of you, your experience, and yeah. what you're doing. Interestingly, that seems to be easier for the apprenticeship students with their with their work experience. With their work experience, but at undergraduate level, which is the group you were teaching, were full-time undergraduates, yeah. weren't they? With, with some part-time experience, but my, I don't get the sense they take their part-time jobs very seriously. Generally, I, I'm not sure that's very fair on some of them, but. They're, they're kind of a means to an end rather than yeah. a kind of career. So that that I think really re resonates with me that idea that actually, what could we do? What could we do in other modules to get a sense of their own mm. voice with a bit more bit more structure around it to to prepare them a little bit more for yeah. that final year stuff. Um, that's really helpful, I think. There's also another, if we talk about a philosophical, pedagogical perspective, uh, a lot of the work that we do in the university is sort of, from a knowledge, uh, from, a, from a theoretical perspective, is around sort of an epist uh, the issue of episteme, the, the idea of sort of knowledge that's isolatable or, or um, is, is true in many different, uh, many different sort of... Um, uh, contexts that yeah. sort of epistemic form of knowledge. What I'm really drawing attention to here is the going to the Aristotelian perspective of knowledge, that phrenet phrenesis, that sort of practical wisdom, if you like, where we're, where we are getting knowledge from all sorts of different locations and different sources, and we're having to make uh, we're having to make judgment. Yeah. So it's a different form of of knowledge. And the form of knowledge that I suspect is much more useful. Maybe maybe they don't realise it immediately, but for objectively from outside, much more useful for them at a point where they are just working on their dissertation, which seems to be something that for some 
he's all encompassing. Yeah. Uh, but it's that they're at a real um, kind of tipping point of their university educational careers and lives where they hand that in and all of a sudden they're in a different world what some might call the outside world and I think it's it's, it's sort of I think it's timely to do Mm. that at that point Mm. Um, and I suppose it could mean that we think differently about how we do first and second year work that allows to build to that point in a, in a much more sequential way. Sorry to go back to sequences and breadcrumbs, yeah, I'm, I'm but it, sequences have their point. <laughs> but it's a, it's a sort of a loose sequence that actually supports that moment, and maybe they would get even more out of it if they had a, some of them who choose it had had a bit more support to to sort of leap into that. Yeah. possibly uncomfortable space that you took them to. So some people <coughs> <coughs> did find it quite uncomfortable. So what I also do is give them a choice in terms of their portfolio. I say, well, how you do your portfolio is up to you. Um, you can do a traditional report to, or, or uh, with a number of different artefacts in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Or you could do something completely novel, uh, and I've suggested you could do a website. Mm. Uh, and some of the students have done websites this time with video content as well. So there's one, <coughs> there's one uh, uh, student, uh, her and her friend have done a, it's a bit like Gogglebox, mm. uh, where they're exploring sort of ethical, ethical ideas. And of course, ethical ideas are made manifest in conversation. Because it's always the sort of yes, but what if that type of thing, and what she's been able to do is to <coughs> quite well is to explain that sort of that. So, so so the students have quite a few of the students have taken the opportunity of to, to actually fit, making sure that they comply with the learning objectives, but to go about it in quite different mm. artistic ways. And some of them be very very artistic. Interesting. So, so some of them can hand in, in their, their portfolios could be a team piece of work or have they had to sort of... Ex- it's all individual. It's all individual. Yeah. But as a team they could put together something like Gogglebox. Well, it was, this particular student was just with her friend who wasn't on the, on the ah, module. I wasn't misunderstood. On, yeah, wasn't on the module. You know, roped her into having a conversation about, about, um, about ethics and there she was, sort of having a discussion. Sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah. I thought it was no, it was it was just a yeah. completely different different person. Well, that that in itself it tells a kind of story, doesn't it? That that someone was engaged enough in the module, engaged enough in the topic, that actually you you experienced the teaching of that module, the learning of that module, going immediately outside to that maybe inner circle of those yeah. person that person's life. And all of a sudden, there's a much greater impact than just simply 15 credits at level six. Actually, that yeah. w- it would be fascinating to know what that person's friend actually made of the whole thing. Does it yeah. come across in the assessment? Or a little bit, yeah. It, it was just like it was just a good, interesting conversation that they had, which the student then reflected on and then talked about in quite a in quite a critical, interesting way. Mm. Um, okay, well that that 
I'm, my appetite has been whetted because um, I, I, I'm conscious that you've asked me to second mark some of this. Yeah. Uh, not second mark, moderate some of this. Yeah. So, um, interesting stuff, I think. Um, I'm now sitting here with some notes that I'm thinking I've got a really clear sense of the outline of what you've tried to do. Um, I've got a clear sense of what you actually did and I've got a sense of the outcomes um, and, ex- and, it, and sort of your experience and a little bit of re- your reflection of the experience today. Mm. I suppose what I'd like to just ask now is where are you going to go next with this? Mm. Is, it, is it something that you're going to kind of contain within the ethics module or is it something that you think, oh, actually I'm now going to... Uh, sort of un- unleash this um, foraging a little bit further afield? My instinct is to explore it in uh, in different fields. Um, so it'd be interesting to do more of this uh, at master's level. Now, I'm not quite sure if that would be actually easier or, 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 or harder or have a different qu- quality to it. But I'm very interested in this idea of practice-based learning and bringing some form of artistry to to our learning as a way of coming back to the idea of phrenesis and practical wisdom, how we can actually use all of our senses uh, in the the foraging uh, metaphor to actually uh, be more alert to the world. Mm. And I've got a, a paper, a couple, actually two papers in the British, the, uh, at the British Academy of Management uh, conference coming up uh, in, uh, in, uh, in September about that with a, with, with a, few, with a few colleagues. Mm. Uh, and also the, 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 the role this might have in organisation development. Uh, so practitioners in the world of work, you know, how they can start thinking about this. Mm. Just moving out of this sort of rut that we seem to find ourselves in and just working, you know, <clears throat> as a linear path to, you know, that's just, I think there's a bigger project involved, but I'm, I'm just sensing how that's starting to uh, to emerge. I'm, I'm just thinking aloud, really, because my sense, as I was asking the question, my sense was, I wonder if, I was thinking, I wonder if Rob's going to respond uh, by talking about the MBA and talking about the MA that was the predecessor, yeah. two courses which, um, from where I sat in, involved in both courses, my sense was they did give opportunities, not all the way through, but mm-hmm. opportunities for that kind of foraging approach. But I wondered whether there was something more to do on, on those programme structures that would even further that chance for that the foraging but I'm struck by what you said about it might be harder at master's level I, I, mm. I think I might agree with you actually I'm not entirely sure why I agree yeah. with you kind of a gut reaction thing that could be challenging yeah. again not sure why maybe it's because some of the master's students I encounter are very instrumental they, they you know they they want to achieve something, tick, move on, and yeah. that might be counter to what their um, what their expectations are. I don't know. Mm. What about level four and five? Um, I I think I go back to the point I, I mentioned earlier about that sort of we are doing it a little bit without knowing we're doing it in the business modelling mm. um, stuff. 
because we sort of give them a framework in which they operate but we are trying to guide them through uh, a series of um, activities and I suppose we haven't gone quite as far, far as you clearly have done at level six in, in the third year but there may be some more work to do there I the module the business model mod, model I'm module I'm talking about was um, something that came about as an adaptation of some previous modules that do business modeling a very very breadcrumby kind of way mm. here is a next week's B C D and this year in the in term one semester one we talked a lot and it was mainly me I think uh, talking about this idea of teaching in studio and teaching in studio in the sense that we would have done in a in an art school where students come in and they work for a period of time on their projects and you as a studio tutor are around talking to them and engaging mm. with them and acting as a guide uh, rather than having five, um, five, ten, twenty, thirty minutes, whatever, of PowerPoint slides. In practice, it didn't quite come about as that. Um, but I think that's possibly down to us rather than the students. Um, the feedback we got for a couple of the weeks was that they would like to spend more time doing one thing and the other. So I think there is an opportunity to revisit and possibly taking some taking some thoughts from what you've said, um, giving some more guidance and giving some more resources that might actually allow them to be confident enough to come along for one week and not expect myself or a colleague to do a presentation to them yeah. and actually you're working in the studio, you come in three hours, you're in your team, you're doing this. So possibly, um, I certainly think I try to do that a little bit in the leadership module, although I can see where there's opportunity to do some more foraging. Mm. Um, but I've, I'm struck by this idea of a series of presentations. Um, but at the moment I've got a presentation that's a, a summative contribution to the summative work, so that kind of all needs to be done by point, which yeah. makes it quite... Mm. sort of awkward but food for thought certainly yeah. food for thought right have we done I think we have good um, well thank you Rob that was um, really helpful and although I'd seen the PowerPoint presentation and also read the paper in the um, journal e-organisations and people yeah. um, what's the acronym EOP <laughs> I think isn't it yeah e-organisations and people I don't yeah. think they've oh no I like the idea of calling it EOP behind everyone's back don't tell Bob I said that uh, um, so that helped really put some sort of uh, what's, what's the I, metaphor um, some flesh on the on the bones of those sort of yeah. things so thank you very much for that um, I have completely forgotten what is next on our list? I'm sure there's international. Yeah, we've got international. But I can't remember what the... Was it standards? It was standards, wasn't it? Mm. So another another good topic coming up. Oh, yeah, standards. And in my head was the idea of standards and particularly apprenticeship mm. standards and teaching to standards, um, which is something that is driving me to distraction at the moment. So two more to do in this series. Yeah. 
and then we need to think about series two, don't we? That's it. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to let you turn off because you're um, in charge of the whole thing today. Um, yeah. And good luck with the editing. All right. Well, good conversation. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it too. <laughs>